Amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, you can go to, well, I'm not sure yet. <laughs> I started to tell you to go to one place, but we may go to someplace different. Um, I want to I dive around in Scripture this morning. Uh, some of you have heard me teach on praise before, the Hebrew words for praise. And uh, we're going to do that again this morning. We're going to dig around a little bit in Scripture. But, um, you know, it's important for you to know the, the, the Hebrew words and what's, what, is, what the Bible is talking about when it says to praise. If you go through Psalms, for example, in Psalms 145, um, the words uh, are interpreted. The, these seven words for praise are all interpreted in English into praise. But there's specific kind of praise. Matter, you know, David says that he will praise the Lord seven times a day. Well, what kind of praise is David talking about when he says, I will praise you seven times a day? The word that he actually uses is, I will halal, I will praise you without abandon. It's this idea of, uh, of crazy praise, if you will, uh, the Lord, seven times a day. Can you imagine if you took out of your schedule... Seven times throughout the day, we know that David prayed three times a day, and he said seven times a day, I will halal you. Can you just imagine what your schedule and life would look like if you just took maybe just two-minute praise break, no matter what you were doing, seven times a day? If you were at school or at work or in a business meeting, or whatever, just excuse me for a moment. I've got to have a halal moment with the Lord. I need to step out. I need to get my crazy praise on. Just, just give me a moment <laughs> so I can praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen is right. You, you know, you and I lead creation in worship. The Bible tells, as a matter of fact, if you flip to Psalm 148, we're going to go on a journey through Scripture. I hope that's okay. I love the Bible, and I want to be rooted in the Bible. My anchor is in the Word of God, so we're just going to go through the Word. I hope you're okay with that. If not, you might be in the wrong place. But in, in Psalms 148, it says, Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him, all you angels. Praise Him, all His hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon, you stars and light, you heavens of heavens. You and I lead creation in worship. So as you, as you worship the Lord, you're a worship leader. There's no one that gets out of this message today. Everyone in this room, this applies to everyone in this room. You can't say, well, that's Pastor Grace's job, or that's whoever's on the stage's job. No, it's your job. We lead. We lead. People are led by your, you know, I love corporate worship because, one, I just love corporate worshiping with people, but I also love corporate worship because I love to hear my friends and my family worship the Lord. It's awesome. And it challenges me to worship deeper. It challenges me to go a little bit further. When, when I see everyone else entering into the presence of the Lord, I say, I want that. I want what they've got. I want more. I, I'm not satisfied where I'm at. I've got to have more. i just got to have more of his presence. i got to have more of him. So I'm just going to keep on worshiping. I'm going to keep pressing in. You know, in, uh, if you think about creation, for example, worship, everything when we talk about worship, it, it's about harnessing the sound or harnessing the vibrations to, to exalt the king. And so everything with vibration, when it moves as it moves, this, that's the instrument, the sounds that we hear. It is all or, or originates in these vibrations of worship. And think about that in the context of creation. Think about the, the wind that blows through the trees and the trees worship the Lord. There's a symphony all around us that's worshiping the king. There's a symphony of creation from the birds chirping to the rustling of the leaves in the trees and the wind blowing. I think about that on the day of Pentecost. And there was a sound of a mighty rushing wind. The, the work of God was an act of worship. The very work of what God was doing in that moment, baptizing in the Holy Spirit, the, the very work that he was doing was an act of worship. It was an expression of worship. The sound of a rushing wind was a worship moment in heaven. The sound of the fire, that, that crackling of the fire. And I, I can't make the sound. I, I'm not good at making sounds like that. But the crackling of a fire, the worship to the Lord that was happening in that moment. 
you, know, you think about so there's in the even in the elements of 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 the earth there's uh, there's wind there's fire we talked about that the the water what does the Bible say about water that he is the that it's the sound of many waters of God the sound of many waters the the sound of worship in heaven even his voice is worship even out of him comes comes worship and glorification of himself. Why? Because God can have no other gods before him. So he glorifies and exalts himself. He has to, he's not going to break his own commandments. He can't break his own law. And so out of his being, out of who he is, flows worship. Have you thought about that, that God exalts himself? That he worships himself, that out of the sound of his voice, out of the sound of his voice, the sound of many waters is worship. Now, that's why we say your praise has a voice. Your voice, your mouth, as you release the sound of heaven, it's, it's releasing a praise, releasing a sound that affects your atmosphere and heaven's atmosphere. Do you know that right now, as we worship the Lord, from the, the sound of your money going into a, a, an offering, to the sound of the voice of your praise, to the sound of ministering to one another, that sound of worship is affecting the heavenly atmosphere right now. Well, when we sing, some of you sound like this is a new concept to you. Amen. Hallelujah. This, when you sing, when you worship the Lord, heaven takes note of that and stores. It, it, there's, there's bowls, if you go to Revelation, that your worship and your prayers are stored in heaven. And they are mixed with the answer of the Lord and return to earth. The Bible says by fire. There's the picture that John gives us in Revelation. That, that God responds with fire in your praise and your prayer. So you and I lead creation and worship. There's... Uh, there's a park in, in Pennsylvania um, where there's, there's rocks. They have scientists, geologists have actually went and studied these rocks. And, and you hit the rock and the rock rings. And it makes, it makes sound. The rocks actually worship. There, there's some in Pennsylvania. There's some in Australia. But they're studying the rocks that actually worship. We say they're worshiping the Lord. Geologists say they ring. We say it's worship. But they're, they're ringing, and they don't stop. They can measure. You strike the rock, and it, it, you can hear the sound, hear the worship. Now, it's not, in the, it's not in the human hearing range, but instruments pick up the ring of these rocks crying out to the Lord. So you and I are leading creation in worship. The Bible says in Romans that creation itself is groaning. It's crying out. Right now, the world around us, creation around us, is crying out for the revelation of the sons and daughters of God. It's waiting for the day, creation, and it's under the curse. Creation around us, the, the creation that's worshiping is under the curse. It's going to be burned up by fire, but it's still crying out. Since the very beginning of creation to this present day, it's been worshiping. Can you, can I just think about that, that go all the way back to the garden and creation was worshiping God in the garden and it didn't stop worshiping when the curse came. It came under the curse, but continued to worship. Continued to exalt the majesty. That tells us something. I, I, I'm just digging this morning. I hope you're okay. I'm just, I'm not, I'm just teaching a little bit, but, but. Creation saw something that you and I sometimes can't see. Creation saw the beauty of the Lord all the way back when there was nothing. And creation, God said, he spoke. Did you hear me? And it's continued to this day. When he said, light be, that the light's still shining and it's still worshiping. When he made the birds of the air in creation... Curse, the curse of sin didn't stop. The very thing that, now, now listen, that's why the devil is after your praise. He's trying to stop 
the very thing that God intended to continue forever, your worship, your praise. Now, there's reasons for that. Their praise impacts, we talked about that, affects your atmosphere, affects the earthly atmosphere. A lot of things happen when you praise. A lot of things happen. It's the, we sang it this morning that praise is the breakthrough. It's the weapon of, the, of our warfare. Praise is our, is our weapon. It's one of our weapons. Uh, it's, the, it's the primary weapon. And the enemy wants to stop that praise. He tried stopping it in creation and couldn't. They just keep on going. The birds keep on chirping. The trees keep on clapping their hands and waving. The wind keeps on blowing. Right? Because God's holding it. And the enemy wants to stop your praise. The, the effect of the curse, the effect of sin, is to get you in such bondage that you can't worship. What's the first thing that when you get born again, what's the first thing that happens? You see God and thank you, Jesus. You start thanking him for salvation. You start thanking him for his gift. It's worship. Worship is unleashed in your life when you get born again. That curse that has shut your worship down or misdirected your worship is now changed. You see, you're going to worship something. But you've misdirected when you're, when you're lost in sin. You've misdirected your worship towards yourself, towards uh, the earthly bondage, the things of this life. But when you get born again, you realize what worship's all about and realign your worship with God. It's not all about you anymore. Or at least it shouldn't be. Come on now, don't shout me down when I'm telling you the truth. It should, shouldn't be all about you anymore. It should really be life is all about Him praising, worshiping Him, and everything else aligns out of that. Isn't that what Jesus said? Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. I, I'm just digging around and helping you out a little bit this morning before we jump into these words. As we begin to think about creation, worshiping the Lord right now, every blade of grass that you're going to, in a week or so, cut with your lawnmower, and it's going to die and wither in the sun, every blade of grass is worshiping the Lord, every detail. And yet, how much more powerful is our praise? How much more is our praise, the ones who have tasted of the mercy of the Lord, those of us who have seen his goodness in his sanctuary, who can declare his mighty acts. You know, creation, I'm just going to keep, man, I hope you're getting this. I hope this is helping you this morning. Creation magnifies his mighty acts because they've seen it. We magnify his mighty acts because we've participated in it. We worship out of experience. Creation worships out of what it knows, what it's seen, what it's observed, what it's created functionality to do. We worship because we've experienced that he's changed me. The worship that comes out of my life is the byproduct of his work in me. How powerful is that? The birds, the birds of the air are singing because they've been told to do it. They don't have a choice. There's nothing. That they, they just sing because that's what they do. They're birds. They sing. Trees blow in the wind because that's what they were created to do was to blow in the wind. And they clap their hands because that's how they were created. You and I were created to worship the Lord. But watch this. That's, I, we were created for that. But the ability to do that comes because of who he is in us. It's not something that you wake up in the morning and say, uh, I'm just going to sing a song. And you just start singing a song because you're a bird and that's what you do. You wake up in the morning and you say, I'm going to sing and worship because it's the overflow of God in you. And you ever notice if you don't have God overflowing in your heart, what song's coming out? It ain't good. If you've got fear overflowing in your heart, you've got anxiety overflowing in your heart, what's coming out? It's the song of depression and fear and worry, right? But you have the opportunity every day you wake up to sing the song of the Lord. I get up in the morning, not every morning. 
I'm not perfect. But I do, most of the time, wake up, and there's a song in my heart. David talks about waking up with the song of the Lord on my bed. Why is that? Because it's the overflow of God in me. I don't even know where the songs come from. I wasn't singing that song when I went to bed. Come on now, I didn't, I didn't wake up and say, self. Now, some days I have to say, self, you're going to sing. Right? Some days we have to do that. But there's some days you wake up and like, there's a song in my heart. It's birthed of the Lord. And I get to sing the song of the Lord. I get to put voice to the song of the Lord. How awesome is that? That the Holy Spirit would move in your heart to, to bring forth a song inspired by Him. Not pre-programmed like the birds, but you get to cooperate with the breath of God. What happens when Jesus said you'll worship in spirit and truth? You'll worship in pneuma. Your breath, when you begin to breathe out the song of the Lord, you're breathing out the Holy Spirit. You're breathing out the song, the breath of God. When you begin to worship, you're not just singing. You're releasing the breath of God, the Holy Ghost. You thought, man. And you thought the person next to you had a bad case of holitosis. They were, they're singing now. They're releasing the breath. They need to brush their teeth or need a mint. But they're releasing the breath of God. So when you sing, when you worship, the atmosphere that you're in changes because you're releasing. You're breathing out right now. You're breathing out Holy Ghost. I wanted to talk about the whales. Don't I, I, you know? You got whales and the geysers and the singing out their songs. They're they're programmed to do that. They're created. Their DNA tells them that that's what they have to do. You and I have DNA that says. This is what you were created for, and we get to release it. We get to tune in and release that sound. So I want to take a look at these seven words. Uh, Psalms, actually, before I do that, let me go to Acts. I want to, I've read this a few times, um, and I want to read it again. Acts 15, I think this is really powerful. This is a really powerful scripture. A lot of times when we um, think about prophecies in the book of Acts. We go to Acts chapter 2 that Peter prophesied from Joel uh, chapter uh, the, the, in Acts chapter 2 that, that Peter prophesied from Joel. There we go. I want to make sure I said that right. And we think about that as being the, the only prophecy in, in the book of Acts in the New Testament church, and it's not. Um, we find James, the, the half-brother of Jesus, in Acts 15, he's actually prophesying under the direction of the Holy Spirit, just kind of give you, uh, I'm going to read just enough here to give you background. Uh, but in Acts chapter 15 and verse 12, it says, Then all the multitude kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul, declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. Verse 13, And after they had become silent, James answered. Now, what's been going on is Paul and Barnabas have been, have been ministering to the Gentiles. Um, and, and things have gotten a little dicey in the church over it. Um, all that they had seen and experienced was really among the Jewish people. And now the Gentiles were getting born again and baptized in the Holy Spirit. And Paul and Barnabas are seeing miracles, signs, and wonders. All these things happen in their ministry. And the Jewish leaders at the church in Jerusalem are trying to wrap their head around it. In Acts 15, it actually says that there was not a small quarrel around this. There, there was a great dissension over this. Well, I thought this was just for us Jewish people. And there was, a, there was a great conflict over this. And so James, they'd assembled a council in uh, Acts 15 in the city of Jerusalem. They've assembled the church leaders together. And they're addressing what Paul and Barnabas were experiencing. So this is the background of this is important to know as we read the, the coming text. So I want to set that groundwork for you as we read what James prophesies. So as the crowd became quiet, James answered, saying, men and brethren, listen to me. Simon has declared how God had first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people 
for his name and with the words of the prophets agree just as it is written. Now he begins to prophesy here from Amos chapter 9. This is, this is a direct quote from Amos chapter 9. And he says in verse 16, After this I will return and I will rebuild the tabernacle of David which has fallen down and I will rebuild its ruins and I will set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does all these things. So what was he prophesying? He was, he was quoting from Amos chapter 9, prophesying under the direction of the Holy Spirit, that what Paul and Barnabas, what the New Testament church was experiencing, was the work of God to rebuild the tabernacle of David. That it was a restoration of the tabernacle of David. Now, you have to ask yourself here, what's the tabernacle of David? There's four different tabernacles in the Old Testament. There was Moses' tabernacle, which we follow with the Israelites in the wilderness. There was David's tabernacle, which David's tabernacle was a, it was a tattered tent, was all it was. It was a tent set up to house to bring back the Ark of the Covenant. The Israelites had lost the Ark of the Covenant to the Philistines. You'll remember that David went after it. His first attempt was really, really messy, and they lost a lot of people. And God told David, you did it wrong. Go back and do it the right way, and you'll get the Ark, the presence back, the glory back into Jerusalem. And so that's what they did, and David established his tabernacle. Now, there's something about that tabernacle. I'm going to get to that in a second. So you have David's tabernacle and then Jesus's tabernacle and, and this restoration of the Davidic tabernacle. So the, you have Solomon's temple different than tabernacle, right? So I want to talk just quickly about the tabernacle of David, that this was a restoration of David's tabernacle. What was different about David's tabernacle? is that it was a place of 24-7 worship. It was a place where people worshipped around the Ark of the Covenant, around the glory of the Lord. The emphasis for David was around worship and prayer. That was all that his, ta it was a tent. And this was, this tent, by the way, David said, one thing I've desired, to be, to dwell in the tabernacle, to dwell in your presence, to behold you in your tabernacle, to see you in your tent. Not some glorious Solomon's temple, but to see you in your tent, to see your power in the tent, the tabernacle, where people worship. The Psalms were written as David was worshiping at the tabernacle. Around the Ark of His Presence. So what we're diving into today, and what I, what I want to establish in this is, is this. Is that God has, or is, building, is establishing this, if I hate to use the word methodology, but the, the method of worship, or the intent of worship, around the lifestyle of worship. That God's purpose and His intent, and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 2 what was happening with the Gentiles, the intention of that was all rooted in a lifestyle of worship. What James was saying is that God has ordered and he is building his church to be a place of worship and that his people would live in a lifestyle of worship. He wasn't calling for the rebuilding of David's tabernacle. Obviously, we know that. He was talking about what God was doing in the hearts and lives of believers, and specifically the Gentiles. That he was building a people of perpetual praise. That's what he's looking for out of your life. Perpetual praise. You're a tabernacle that houses the presence of the Lord. You're the, you are the tent of meeting. Did you know that? You are the tent of meeting. There's a, there's a divine appointment happening on the inside of you right now. It's called self meets Holy Ghost. You're the tabernacle of the Holy Spirit. You are the tent of meeting. This isn't just about a, a tent in the wilderness any longer. This isn't just about David's tent. It's what God's trying to work and do in you. So it's important then to know the... In understanding this, it's important then to know some of the structure that David had in place about praise. And when we talk about praising the Lord and living a life of praise, what does that mean? So diving into Psalms 145, and I'll preach now. Psalms 145, 
it says, I will extol you, O my God, my King, and I will bless your name forever. I will bless your name forever and ever. That word there will start with that word bless, that word praise in some translations is the word barak. The word Barak, I will extol you, I will bless your name forever, I will Barak you forever. It's to raise up or to exalt, to magnify. It's to humble yourself, to bow, to kneel, and to raise up in worship. John the Baptist said, I have to decrease that he might increase. This word Barak is used for the word praise 289 times in the Old Testament. So it's the idea that you come and you kneel before the king and the king blesses you. So you're coming and worshiping before God. Kneel before him and he pours out his goodness on you. In Psalms 95, we see it used again. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Psalms 34, 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall continually be in my mouth. I will live a life, David saying, I will live a life humbled and submitted before the king. When you, when you kneel before the Lord, I'm going to get out here so you can see me on the screen if nothing else. Uh, but when you kneel before him, you're humble. You've submitted yourself to him. You're bowing before him. You're at the mercy of the king. You're at the mercy of the Lord. You're at the mercy of your creator. You're bow. Bowing before him, I will bless the Lord. I will bow before him at all times, David says. So a lifestyle of humility, a lifestyle of kneeling before the Lord and honoring and worshiping him. I will bless the Lord. We, you know, we sing it. I will bless the Lord at all times. He's good. Do we sing that? We sing it. Well, we need to sing it. We don't sing it. That's what we need to sing it. So it's taken right from that scripture in Psalms. We need to learn that one. Psalms 34, that's an old one. I will bless the Lord at all times. And we kneel before him at all times. I'm going to, you know, Pastor Grace, there's going to be a whole lot of those songs I probably pull out today. So you should take notes. First Chronicles. <laughs> I'll be like David. Give this to the chief musician on the masculine and we'll, we'll just hand it off. <laughs> First Chronicles 29, then David said to the assembly, bless the Lord your God, and the assembly blessed the Lord the God of their fathers and bowed low and did homage to the Lord and to the king. So they blessed him. Actually, if you keep reading in Psalms 145, it says, I will bless your name forever, and every day I will barak you. Every day I will bless you. Every day I will barak you. The second word there that's used um, in verse 2, it says, Every day I will barak you and I will praise or I will halal your name forever. I'll halal your name. The word is where we get the word hallelujah. Everybody say that with me. Hallelujah. hallelujah. You know, you can, you can go into almost any language and it's very similar. This word hallelujah is almost very similar to how we say it. It comes from that word halal. This is, uh, this is not a self-conscious praise. This, this, this praise, uh, that it means to rave and to celebrate wildly. It actually means it's also used to shine or to radiate, that you are dancing and moving about and praising the Lord wildly. So uh, when Pastor Grace was singing earlier, all that is within me, bless his name. It's that halal kind of praise. Everything within me, halal, to rejoice, to dance, to spin about. To have demonstrative worship. You'll notice every one of the Hebrew words for praise has a physical response. Every, 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 every word that is used in Hebrew for praise requires a physical reaction. So your praise is not subtle. Your praise is not intended to be, well, I'm not comfortable with that. No, that was never, a, Jesus wasn't comfortable going to the cross. Sorry. The, the, the praise was never about comfort. Praise was, praise was never about being dignified. That's why David said, I'll become more undignified in my praise. It was never intended. Praise is never intended to be dignified. It requires a physical action. It requires a physical response. So, and that's not just, I'm not just saying that because I'm Pentecostal. I'm saying that because it's Bible. Being Pentecostal enhances that experience, but or it should. But 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 the uh, 
the word in Hebrew is, is very much a physical halal, dancing, rejoicing, even to be foolish before the Lord. So, so when David says in Psalms 119, seven times a day, I will halal you. Surely you can get your halal on on Sunday. <laughs> David encouraged us to do it seven times a day. Seven times a day I will act foolishly and dance and rejoice before you. I'm going to praise you. So we could at least do it on Sunday, right? Oh, I got quiet in here. <laughs> what would it, what would it? So, so there's a progression, by the way. If you look at this in Psalms 145, there's a progression that happens here. You start off humble before the Lord. You start off humble before him, submitted to him. And you rise in a halal. You go from this place. He invites you into his presence where you've humbled, you've submitted yourself before him. And he invites you into his presence to dance and to rejoice wildly before him. So now you're halaling. Psalms 150, you're going to go around and start telling people, it's time to get your halal on. So, and you'll be good Jewish people. Psalms, <laughs> not really, Psalms 150, <laughs> unless you're Jewish. Psalms 150 says to praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty ferment. So this is a psalm, Psalms 150 is a psalm of halals. It says, let all things praise the Lord, the title. It's a psalm of halals. It's a so every one of these things are dancing and rejoicing and spinning about wildly and making a very demonstrative foolishness kind of worship. So, so halal him in his sanctuary. Halal him in his mighty firmament. What do you think hurricanes and tornadoes and the storms are doing? They're halaling the Lord. Praise him for his mighty acts. Halal him for his mighty acts. Halal him according to his excellent greatness. Hold on. I'll just pause there. Think about his excellent greatness. Think about the excellency of our God and how much halal you ought to be getting on. Mm -hmm. I'm just letting that percolate for a moment. Pray, halal him with the trumpet. I love this, trumpet players. You can halal the Lord with your trumpet. Dan, this, this reminds me of New Orleans. Man, does this remind me of New Orleans. You're going to halal him. When they get the trumpets out, it is not a quiet, passive event. They are marching down the street, dancing around with trumpets blasting. It's, it is a demonstrative event. <laughs> to get, I won't say it's a demonstrative praise, but it's a demonstrative event when you see them with their trumpets going and they're uh, second lining it or when the saints go marching in or any of those. And it, that is the image. Get the trumpets out and dance around. Get the trumpets out and to, to act foolishly in, in praise and worshiping the Lord. Praising with the lute and the harp. Get the harp. Get, the, get them all out. They get the neville and the kinner is the Hebrew word there. Get the neville and the kinner. Get the lute, lute and the harp. Get those out. You know, the, and it's, a, it's a hand harp. You know, get, the, get the hand harp out or the, you know, probably similar to our guitar. Get the guitars out. Get the, get the flutes out uh, and begin to make joyful noise to the Lord. Dance around. Halal the Lord. Halal him with the timbrel and the dance. Those, that's the tambourine. Halal him with the tambourine. Halal him with the stringed instruments and the flutes and the loud cymbals and the clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath halal the Lord. Is any, is everybody have breath in this room? If not, we'll call 911. If you have breath and you're in this room... That means you have an opportunity to halal the Lord. There's no excuse. You have, a, you have a chance to halal him, to dance and praise him foolishly, wildly. T take off the dignity and just cut, cut loose. Cut, we used to use to cut a rug. Cut a rug. Just, have, just praise the Lord. To just praise the Lord. So we go back to Psalms 145, 
So we're halaling. And then we're going to go, he says in verse 4, one generation shall praise your works to another. I love this. One generation shall shabak, shall shout. A couple of you are figuring it out. Uh, your gener- this generation shall shabak. I'll give you a third try. <laughs> Generation shall shabak. There we go. Your praise to another. Now, I, I want to talk about this first. The shabak, it's not the same word that's used at, at Jericho, by the way. There's, there's a word for shout that was used. Remember the Jericho walls falling? That was ruah. Different word. It was a shout uh, of an order. This, um, this shout, shabak, is a shout of praise. It's a victorious praise. So it's not just a praise, it's a shout of victorious praise. And we're shouting into, David said, to the next generation. Uh, I was thinking about this. You know, I can't tell you, growing up in church, I can't tell you the sermons that my preacher preached. I can't, I can't tell you the messages that they preached. I can't. What, what I can tell you is I can tell you how they worshiped. What I can tell you is how the church that I grew up in worshipped. I can tell you how they prayed. So your, your worship, your shout, your shabak into the next generation is teaching the next generation how to worship. You're loosing things off of them. You're breaking things. It's a victorious shout. You're, you're putting, you're placing a praise into a younger generation when you shout. So next week, I got a challenge for you. Next week, we, you know, we're restarting uh, BGMC Sunday, and the kids will be in here, and we've got back to school. I, we need some, some adults who are going to shout into the next generation. Uh, okay, brother. <laughs> That's not a shabak. <laughs> That's a halal. <laughs> we, we uh, you know, I want, my, I want my kids to know what it means to worship the Lord, to praise him. You know, I love, you know, Zoe is all about, you know, she's helping lead worship in kids' men. And she loves worship. She, I mean, she talks about during the week how she's preparing and what songs she wants to sing. And she, I mean, it's, and I love it because I want her to know what it means. This mom and dad had no expect. We didn't orchestrate that. We didn't tell Pastor, hey, make this happen. That was her. That was just Zoe's. I want to do this. So this is her heart. But I want my kids to know what it means to worship the Lord. To praise him. That there's, you don't have to, this isn't just adult. This isn't just the adults. That Jesus invites the kids and actually invites the adults to become like children. So we're going to shabak. We're going to shout your praise. We're going to declare your mighty acts. And Psalms 117 says, praise the Lord all the nations. Extol him or to shout, shabak him all the peoples. You know, we, uh, if you flip over to Psalms 63, I'm just going to go there real quick. We sing this song. Well, I don't think we sing this song, but it's an old song. Here we go again, <laughs> Pastor Grace. <laughs> you may have, thy loving kindness is better than life. Yeah, I can't sing, but you can sing with me. Thy loving kindness. You know the song? Is better than life. My lips will praise you. Uh-huh. So we find that here in Psalm 63. That comes right here. Uh, Psalm 63. Let's read verse 1. It says, Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in your sanctuary to see your power and your glory. That doesn't sound like a cute little, Thy loving kindness. If you're, if you're dying of thirst, if you're dehydrated, it's intense, right? So he says, because of your loving kindness is better. My lips shall shabak you. My lips will shout. Not, so when you're all, when you're, when you're worshiping, that's why it's so important to know these words. When you're worshiping, 
We're talking about shouting unto the Lord. When you're praising Him, we're praising Him, shouting to Him. Thus I will bless you, or I will barack you, I'll bow. So I'm going to shout, I'm going to bow, and then I'm going to lift up my hands. That's yada, we haven't got there yet. I'm going to yada, I'm going to lift up my hands and praise you. So this is very physical. If you, if you did all these things on Sunday morning when you came to church, you wouldn't have to go to the gym during the week. <laughs> and just get your exercise at church. Psalm 145, jumping back to uh, verse 10. It says, all your works shall praise you, yada you. So this word yada, is, it's to confess and to throw up your hands. <laughs> your hands to lift up to throw up your hands it's not a it's it's a it's a throwing there it's a physical demonstrative action not just calm but a throwing up of your hands to throw out to say i will praise you O lord to confess something as you're doing i lord you are great and greatly to be praised and you're throwing your hands we see this used for the first time uh, in Psalms, I'm sorry, in Genesis, uh, when Leah, if you remember Jacob and Leah, they had their fourth baby boy, and their fourth baby boy's name was, anybody know? Judah. Praise, yeah. It's where yada, Judah comes from yada, the root word, same word. She says, I will praise you, I will, now I will praise you, I will throw up my hands and praise you for the birth of Judah. Psalms 107 says, let them thank the Lord. Let them yada, let them throw up. It's an offering of thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord, great and greatly to, and throwing up of the hands. Thank you, Lord. 2 Chronicles 20, 21 says, when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those that were to sing to the Lord praise, to sing to him halal, and to give thanks, yada, to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. So to dance around and to throw your hands up. So you had people who were, David was assigning to people that those that were going to dance around halal and those that were going to throw their hands up. So there was this coordinated worship. You actually see this in the tabernacle of David, that there was a coordinated worship. They had people, um, and we're going to talk about Tehillah in a moment, but you had people who would Zamar or Tehillah praise the Lord. You had people who would halal the Lord, and there was this, continual flow of worship and every every kind of praise somebody was bringing their praise to the Lord this it's this is powerful this is the life we're to live so uh, number five the fifth word we find this let me skip over here to verse 21 of Psalms 145 my mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord my mouth shall tehila the Lord tehila the Lord it's to um it comes from the word halal, so you're, it's this um, spontaneous, demonstrative praise, but it's the song of the Spirit. So when, when David says, you're going to, my mouth shall speak the tehillah, it's the, it's the Spirit songs. My, health, my mouth shall sing the Spirit songs of the Lord. Psalms 22.3 uses the same word, that you are enthroned on the praises, the tehillah, the spontaneous song of your people. And it's a spontaneous song that's at a, it's accompanied. What makes it different from halal is that it's accompanied by music. So it's a, it's a spirit song, a spiritual song that's set to music. So we do this all the time. We do this in worship. Pastor Grace had a little bit of it this morning. Um, but usually every Sunday there's time. It's a spontaneous singing set to music. It's not words that are pre-programmed to a song. It's spontaneous songs, spirit songs that are accompanied by music. That's te- that's Tehillah. And so you Tehillah in your life. You practice Tehillah. Um, the New Testament equivalent of this, flip over to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. This is the New Testament equivalent in the Greek they don't use the word tehillah, but Paul tells us to do just this. David is talking about tehillah. The, the, the Greek is odai pneumatikas. Two words. 
I think I like the Hebrew better. Let's tehillah. <laughs> but the Greek is the Odai pneumatika, spirit songs. And in Ephesians 5 and 18, it says, Do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this scripture, what Paul is talking about is the practice of Tehillah. It's spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart, singing and making melody over one another, spiritual songs, and great news. The Holy Spirit, New Testament, outpouring of the Holy Spirit enables us to do this at a higher level. Dave, they weren't the, the Holy Spirit would move on David to sing spiritual songs. In the New Testament, we have the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Paul said, I sing in the Spirit and I sing with my understanding. There's this, there's this spirit song that intertwines with our natural song. It's our spiritual, our heavenly language song and our natural tongue. And we dance between the two. It's a flow between both. That's why, oh man, our worship is so powerful. So spirit, the, the pneumaticus, the spirit songs. When, they, when, excuse me, when Paul wrote this, this is, I love this, it's one of my favorite passages of scripture, but when Paul wrote this, he was dealing with the church of Ephesus that was very familiar with the Greek god called Bacchus. Anybody remember the Greek god Bacchus? Uh, those those who have been to New Orleans know a little bit about New Orleans will understand very quickly who Bacchus is because there's a whole parade devoted to Bacchus, the Greek god. It's the it's the Bacchus parade, and the whole parade is is devoted to drunken revelry. And you say, well, I thought that was what Mardi Gras was. <laughs> yeah, well, this was the parade. It's the pinnacle of that, the pinnacle parade of drunken revelry. Why is it? Because Bacchus was the god of wine and pleasure. And so when Paul's writing to the church of Ephesus who worshipped, that, that region worshipped the god of Bacchus, they understood that we're not to be drunk, we're not to celebrate in revelry to the god of Bacchus, Come on now, don't shout me down when I'm, you know, everybody wants to know, well, why can't I drink? Well, here's a good reason. Don't be drunk, don't be imbibing on things that celebrate the God of Bacchus. I know, I know, I know the world doesn't want to hear this, but that's okay. So, so let's stop entertaining Bacchus and let's entertain our heavenly king. Let's worship before him. Let's, let's give him our best. So let's not be drinking in the wine, which is dissipation, but be filled. Be drunk. In other words, don't be drunk to Bacchus, but be filled with the Spirit. Be overflowing. Be inundated with the Spirit of God. Be, if you're going to be drunk, be drunk in the Spirit. There's, there's, you, know, you can only drink so much of earthly wine before it gets dangerous but you can drink and drink and drink and drink and drink and need to drink and drink and drink and drink of the spirit of God and it'll change your life <laughs> and you'll have you you know if you're sitting there saying well I'm not I'm not very I'm just not an outward passionate person have a drink <laughs> You know, there's. I've seen some drunk people. I've seen some drunk people before, and uh, you know, when you get, you know, you lose the inhibitions, right? All those things that hold you back, you just tend to. So just have a drink of the spirit, and the things that hold you back, the things that you feel, I don't know, you're all of a sudden you're not so self-conscious anymore. <laughs> you're spirit conscious. You're not so self-aware. You become spirit aware. What's he doing? What's he saying? He's singing a song. <laughs> Be filled with the Spirit. Enter his gates with 
thanksgiving and his courts with praise. That word enter his courts with praise is tehillah. Come, come in. <laughs> come in. <laughs> Woo, Jesus, come in. Come in with praise, singing those spiritual songs to the Lord. <laughs> and then number six, Psalms 145. Uh, we're going to go to Psalms 146 for the next one. Number six, Zamar. I will sing praises to my God. I will zamar, I will zamar my God. Means to pluck on the instrument joyfully. To pull up the instrument and to play joyfully. To worship the Lord with instruments, with joy. So I will sing praises, I will zamar, I will sing praises with the instruments to my God. Psalms 146, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises. I will zamar my God. Psalms 92.1 says, It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing zamar to your name. So I sing to him with music. So with this, it's, a, um, it's coming into agreement with the instruments. The instruments, and, and those who play instruments will understand this, that that as you play on your instrument, it is not, uh, you, have, you have your, to worship on your instrument is not just the music that you're, you have in front of you. To worship on your instrument, is an o- it is an overflow of who you are. Your character, your skill, your ability, who you are comes out on the instrument. Just like on the, on the stage, I always tell Heather, you know, we joke, and Pastor Grace, I always joke. I said, people, when they get up on our stage, whether they're singing or playing an instrument, I can always tell what's going on in their life. The minute they start singing or the minute they start playing, it's like out there for me to see because the overflow of what's going on in someone's life comes out on their instrument or in their voice vocally. It comes out. It's, when you worship, some of you are like, oh, I don't want to get up on stage now. Pastor's watching. Yeah, we all, we all are. You're right in, the, right in the center. We see you worshiping. And it's, it's evident. It becomes evident. Your worship it's not just, you know, we see it on your face, just like you can look at the person next to you and say, are they joyful or not? You know, you can see it. But the sound that you make reverberates the worship or lack thereof that's in your heart. It's an overflow. That's why it's, you know, we tell our worship team, it's not just about getting up on the stage on Sunday. It's how you live Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday. It's your life, everything that you do, not just on Sunday. Or your entire life. When you serve, let's, let's just get the eyes off of the folks on the stage. When you show up in children's ministry on Sunday to serve in the kids' men, right? Don't shout me down when I'm telling the truth. The, the worship or lack thereof is overflowing out of your heart. When, when you hear things, uh, you know, because as a pastor, I hear everything at some point. When you hear things like, well, I'm just doing you a favor, is that worship? No, that's not worship. No, that's nails on a chalkboard. Because what, what you bring in to your service is an act of worship. How you live your life is worship. So is it a sweet-smelling fragrance or is it irritable noises on a chalkboard? That's, so that's what we're talking about. Your, your overflow, your worship, you can see it. And again, going back to the Zamar. So you're, you're playing, singing to music. You're, you know, halal. So let me jump back. The Tehillah is spirit songs rooted in halal to instruments. So it's, it's worshiping the wild worship with, with spiritual singing and, and, and music. The difference with Zamar is that Zamar is just the playing. It's the joyful playing. It's, you know, there doesn't have to be singing to that. It's the spaces where there's no singing in the music, where it's just playing. So do you know that the Lord loves it when the musicians just jam? You can just get together and just have fun on the instruments worshiping the Lord. Just go for it. That's, that's Zamar. 
It's to worship with the instruments, to play joyfully on, on the instruments. And then number seven is the word tauda. It's a word from yada, and it means to lift your hands in thanksgiving. To lift your hands in thanksgiving. And it's often associated with a choir procession. So you're, as you're singing Tauda before the Lord, you're lifting your hands often in a procession giving thanks. This is seen in Psalms 42, 4. It says, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad, glad shouts and songs of Tauda, ta- songs of thanksgiving in a procession. So it's, um, we don't do this um, here, and you know, most churches don't do it these days, but the choir, going back to someone said, oh, I heard it earlier, old-time religion. It used to be in the, you know, the old church, would, the choir would march in. You know, remember that? They'd march in, and they'd take, well, that's a biblical concept. That's, that's tauda. That's the marching in. But it's not just marching in to march in. It's marching in with thanksgiving. It's leading, it's leading the song of thanksgiving and marching in. So we march into the house of the Lord with thanksgiving. I, uh, you know, I'm not saying we need to line up next Sunday and march into the sanctuary uh, <laughs> in a procession. But that idea is biblically based. And, and it's, I think, one of the ways we see that expressed in our church is, and occasionally you'll see this, people will march around the church in thanksgiving. Sometimes it ends up in a run, but, but it starts off, remember Jericho March? You know, we're talking about Jericho March, marching around. Tauda, the Jericho March idea with the shout that the walls would come down. But the, the Hebrew root there is the Tauda. It's walking around, marching around with thanksgiving. In Psalms 95, too, I read it, but it's the songs of praise, songs of thanksgiving, where you begin to unite this, so what's, what's important about Tauda, we don't see this, again, it's, this isn't one that's really demonstrated a lot. We, the worship team, y'all can come back. Um, in just a moment, we'll do water baptism as well. But the, the Tauda marching around, is, it is a syncopation of worship, musicians, singing, and choreography. So in the modern Modern culture, you see this more with dance, where there's a syncopation between, you see this in the secular world a lot. There's a syncopation between singing, music, and dancing. And, and the world has perverted a, a biblical concept. Um, this is, so this is where you choreograph, so the choir was marching in. It was a choreographed march entering. It's, synch- it's synchronizing the this, this sound of worship, the sound of praise of the instruments and the vocals with a synchronized choreographed dance or demonstration. That it's the individual, individuals are worshiping, uh, halaling, throwing their hand, yada, throwing their hands. And so there's a very demonstrative worship among the people, but there's also tauda, where there's orchestrated, organized, synchronized, intentional demonstrations of worship. Um, <clears throat> we see, I'll just talk just quickly, we see some of this, um, you know, I, I don't have a problem with the, the flag, the fanfare, the flag wavers, and the, all that kind of stuff, you know, all the demonstrative, so I don't have a problem with all of that. The problem becomes, David was very specific when it came to order in the house of the Lord, when it came to praise, that, that we are to praise the Lord demonstratively, but when it came to choreographed acts of worship, they were intended to be just that. It was to be syncopated with the worship, that it was an extension of what was happening in the corporate, not in the flags and the banners and all of the, the, the tambourines, all of those things were demonstrative acts of worship to be synchronized with what was happening corporately. Not to be, and what we've made it, unfortunately, in our society today is everybody wants to do their own show 
Come on, don't count me down when I'm telling the truth. Uh, you know, because and, and we've had folks come in and say, well, can I wave my banner or do my flag thing? And, and we've, sure, you can do it in the back. Don't hurt anybody. <laughs> we got room in the back. Don't, you know, let's coordinate it. Not, not against it. Let's coordinate it. It's an act of worship, but let's do it biblically. Let's do it in a way that glorifies God corporately, not just becomes a one man or one woman show. Amen? Isn't that good to know that God addresses all of these things that we see in church today? That we are called to worship the Lord, body, soul, and spirit, every part of us. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Thank you, Jesus. So my encouragement to you, I hope this was a blessing to you. My encouragement to you is to praise the Lord. To praise Him. When you come in on Sunday, get your praise on. Get your halal on. Get your barak on. Get your praise the Lord. Praise Him, all you people. Praise Him. Praise the Lord. Don't be intimidated to not praise. Your praise, I, you know, I, I would just venture to say that, that if we all were to step into the praise that David talked about, what would happen in this place? If, if the Lord is truly enthroned on the praises of his people, what happens when all of his people halal? What, 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 right? I know. What would happen if, if all of his people would, would barack? What would happen if, if, we, if we were to live out and demonstrate worship? And I love that our church does. I love that, generally speaking, we have a church that loves worshiping the Lord. And I'm thankful for that. But let's not stop. Let's keep, let's keep building, building a house of worship.